Well, welcome to our latest National Innovation Collaborative podcast. I'm Nigel Thompson. In this edition, we're discussing how technology-enabled remote monitoring can help those in real need of support. People with a learning disability or severe mental illness can now receive, among other things, their annual physical health check far more easily than before. Well, let's hear how it's working in two different parts of England, the challenges, the benefits, and maybe the future plans as well. We're joined by two experts. Paul McCourt is a regional digital mental health lead for NHS England, North East and Yorkshire region. And Dr Inda Sawney is a consultant psychiatrist and clinical director for Hertfordshire Partnership University NHS Foundation Trust, part of NHS East of England region. Both, thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. Paul, if we can start with you first of all, tell us a bit about your role, your current role, what you do and the kind of areas of expertise that you'd be concerned with. At the moment, I'm wearing two hats, if you like. I am, as as you said, the regional digitally for, for mental health in northeastern Yorkshire. But as far as this work is concerned, I'm the project manager um, for a project to increase the uptake of annual physical health checks for people with, with SMI, working into the AHSN, the North East and North Cumbria AHSN. And the, the project that I'm managing covers the North East and North Cumbria ICS, ICB area. A massive area. We'll talk about that in more detail. And, and into the same question to you as well as consultant psychiatrist and clinical director in a different part of the UK and in Hertfordshire. Just tell us a bit about your current role and, and the areas of expertise, again, that you're concerned with. Thanks, Nigel. So yes, as you said, um, I'm a consultant psychiatrist, but I'm a consultant psychiatrist. I've done my specialisation for people with intellectual disability, adults with intellectual disability. That's where the prevalence of mental illness is a lot higher compared to the mainstream population. Uh, and my other hat, which I wear, is that of a clinical director. So that is, you know, the operational manager for looking over the services and being innovative and looking at how do we improve services, experience, outcomes for the very vulnerable population that we serve. Um, so that that is uh, in North Essex, but as, as you alluded to earlier, I'm part of Hertfordshire Partnership University Foundation Trust, the services which within my role, the North Essex uh, is within North Essex, my clinical role and my operational role. How was it before and how has a new technology, a new approach helped to you achieve you know better outcomes, better detailed um, assessment of people who need it? That, that's a really uh, salient point, actually. Quite often, and you know, anecdotally, we do hear that that people on SMI registers don't engage with primary care because they don't want to go into a GP surgery just to be told uh, again that they're, they're still smoking too much or they're, they're having too many drinks on the weekend or etc. Um, and so they don't go for their, for their physical health check. Now, the physical health check itself is a relatively straightforward and, and uh, thorough, but it's a straightforward check. You know, it, it's blood pressure, it's uh, checking blood sugar, HbA1c, lipids, uh, it's checking um, BMI, it's a few que- questions about physical activity, smoking habits, drinking habits, things like that. Um, and it can lead to to um, onward referral where necessary, it can lead to uh, social prescribing uh, where relevant, um, and, and it's a really useful tool so that we can monitor the, the health uh, of people with severe mental illness. Uh, what we're trying to do, the project I'm involved in, is for those people who haven't um, engaged with primary care, we're providing them with um, portable, we're pro- providing clinicians with, with portable sets of equipment so that they've got the blood pressure monitors, they've got a point of care blood testing device and everything that need medical skills 
they can put them in the car, they can go out and, and proactively go out and meet people in their own homes or in a in a community setting of that person's own choice uh, to to do those checks where that person is most comfortable. Um, and we're working with people, uh, with clinicians who have the, the soft skills, the, the social skills to engage um, with with uh, the, the patients, do that that check, but also do the onward referral to do the social prescribing, to do those things uh, which can improve uh, the the health outcomes of uh, this group of people. Is it working? I guess that you know it would take some time both for staff side to learn how to use the remote kit. How has it worked? And and, and is it are you getting the results now that you hoped you would get? We're in the early stages of, of delivery. We, we've delivered all of the equipment out to the, the various areas in a couple of areas where it's actually in use. We're, we're getting positive feedback. There's one team in particular, which which is well known. They've been on some national meetings uh, in South Tyneside. That team has been in place for for some time, um, and they are successfully uh, going out and doing the health checks uh, for people. And you know, anecdotally, there and in in other areas, we we are hearing that there is some re-engagement with primary care. There is the the joined up work, the integrated work, which needs to happen. They can, you know, the, the people in the team can get in touch with GPs and, and do the, the joined up work. They, they have access to the GP systems so that if it's nothing too severe where they, they don't have to get in touch with the, the GP immediately, they can uh, log things to, to be looked at by other members in, in the uh, GP practice uh, so that things are picked up and integrated work is done. What do you think from your point of view, would that work where, where you are, do you think? Uh, similar to Paul, we've got the similar thing, isn't it? It's, it's a remote, it's what's called a blue box. And as the name suggests, it is blue in colour and it essentially measures some basic parameters, the blood pressure, the pulse. You know, you could also do the blood lipids, the blood glucose, you know, and it's paired up with it's, you know, that's technology coming to hand. It's paired up with a Bluetooth, essentially, and it goes on a portal. And once those parameters are taken, it then comes to our electronic uh, records where we, you know, where we are sitting in our, you know, uh, in our work bases, essentially. And and I would like to think that it's been a big success for us, um, and particularly as you you know Paul's alluded to, and so have you, Nigel. It's a very hard to engage patient group if you think of it. They're dependent on others for a whole host of factors, essentially, really. And I suppose uh, the staff, the, the people who are doing this are people within who are working within the learning disability teams. So they have the competency, they have the skills. And a lot of them already know the patients as well. But we were not doing this. We were seeing them for the mental health or their behavior, really. So that relationship is there, which is a very different context when you go walking into a GP office or someone, you know, you're just seen for 10 minutes or, you know, half an hour. You've never met in their lives and you probably, you know. So I suppose it's, it's, it's that kind of a thing. And of course, you know, the staff had to be trained and uh, or how they before the program was rolled out in the blue boxes but essentially i would like to think to my mind it's been a big success and we're kind of collating data on this and uh, we've picked up so we've seen about 180 odd patients uh, so these are people within care homes and we've picked up i think about uh, roughly about 15 percent of the cases where it required further intervention so it could have either been a case where a blood pressure was undiagnosed at that point of time and had the team not gone in, it would have still remained undiagnosed and treatment has been initiated or indeed they were on treatment, but it was still uncontrolled. So, and it may sound really 
um, you know, innocuous, oh, it's blood pressure and what's the big deal? But I just wanted to give a context and a background to this. I was mentioning to uh, Leda Report, the leader, which is we look at all the deaths and the avoidable deaths which have happened in learning disability. And one of the things that has been highlighted this time around is 14% of the deaths, the avoidable deaths were because of hypertension. So if you put that in numbers, you know, I, I, I was looking at the data today morning, it was 2000 plus people overall, and 40% were about uh, avoidable out of that 14% were hypertension, 164 people would have been alive today, you know, so I suppose when we think of it, I just trying to stress the importance the the you know the benefit it's bringing going in there proactively engaging and then of course liaising with primary care which Paul had said engaging with them highlighting to them because you know clearly that's not something within our remit we don't have the expertise but to flag up and to have that integrated care uh, I suppose that's what it is just on that point there about the difference it's made already with the blue box system so if that was to be expanded I guess by extrapolation, the number of people who would still be alive and would still benefit from this must be quite significant. Is that what you're thinking now for the future? Yes. So the plan for us is, I mean, you know, we've got uh, it needs to be kind of formally kind of rolled out. But we think this is here to stay. Blue box for us should be here because we are picking up. And, you know, even if I'm, you know, and it's across all professions, if you're going out for a home visit, you know, you know, anybody can just pick it up and you think and often. Uh, the behavior, the mental state, you know, the manifestation of an underlying of a impaired behavior is because of an something like a urine infection or, you know, there is something, yeah, the glucose is all over the place. And you may just, it just saves time and you're getting in there early. And I think it's going, there's going to be a reduction in unplanned activity, really. I mean, it's not been formally evaluated, but that's the whole idea, isn't it? You get in there early, you nip things in the bud and you see less of the unplanned activity. So I suppose there is room for expanding it to other services within our service, you know, um, uh, rolling it out to other services within the trust. There is room for other settings, not just the community, within the com inpatient settings. Um, yes, uh, I, I can only say, you know, and we're also collating feedback from from uh, patients as we are going along because we may think we are doing a great job but what about the service users and the carers and I and so what we've heard so far is some of the comments I can say you know some of the carers feel it's very reassuring to know that all is well you know that's also reassurance that is nothing physical or you know indeed to you know just things having been picked up so they're really grateful and you know the experience of it has been really positive so what what we've been get, getting we're using um, a, a similar sort of portable solution, which has been developed by um, HealthCall, and they've put together our set of equipment, which is very similar to the, the Blue Box. What they've also done, they've developed um, an app which sits on a tablet so that when the clinician goes out to, to the patient's home, they can record all the results of the physical health check on the tablet, and that will then push those results back straight into the, uh, the, the primary care uh, system. Um, so that means that they don't have to go back to the office between visits and, and log into the system and do that. It, it pushes it straight back. It saves travel time. It saves the clinician's time. It saves them writing the notes out and paper and then go back and having to duplicate that into the system. So it, it's a great uh, system that the health call have developed for us and the kit that they put together. 
it's probably very similar to the blue box, but but you know it, it allowed us to choose the equipment that we thought was best for the job that the clinicians liked, and we we engaged with clinicians to uh, to make sure that we had the, the right kit. And Paul, can I just and uh, Nigel, can I just add to that? So one of the things which is probably not tangible at the minute, we've not evaluated it in a formal manner, is about the empowerment of the service user. Because if you know, if you've been flagged up, you know, and you know, you know, you're in control, this is it, you can go to the GP and say, look, I've had these readings. It's hugely empowering for that population group, isn't it? And there's a self-management. And, and again, when they're going to see wherever the specialist is, it's about the shared decision making. So, you know, that's that's huge there. And I suppose it's also about having a digitally enabled workforce, as what Paul was alluding to, you know. So you have the tools at your disposal really you know the automatic processes that have been set up and use them to your advantage and you you know it brings in more efficiency as well so i suppose that's for that here and now but i you know as it expands and as it rolls out there is an there is some mileage in i suppose about getting the intelligence about the data about the population and how can it be rolled out you know from a from a systems point of view you know we can have that and it probably shed some light into research new models of care you know what is the demand what is the capacity what are you know you assess the population needs so i suppose that but that's further down the line the here and now for, for us is of course uh, you know as we said about the experience and the outcomes for the patients i wonder both given that you have to look at two ways of working training staff to make sure they know how to use the kit making sure that you know the, the, the patients themselves are happy and content to, to, to be you know treated or uh, monitored in that way what advice would you give people perhaps listening to this who are thinking I've got something similar in mind I'd like to roll it out I'm not quite sure how to start that there'll be could be pushback from people patients may be a bit apprehensive about it what advice would, would you give people starting out on the on the journey that you've are, are on with the difficulties have been um, in in the boundaries between primary care and, and mental health care, you know, working across those boundaries and making sure that that you do an integrated work, start those conversations early, get the right people in the room or on the teams uh, meeting, and speak to primary care and mental health colleagues. Um, and also, there are obviously issues around information sharing across systems, um, information governance, make sure that you get that ironed out early on because it, it has to be done. And it, it's, uh, it can't be, the, the amount of time that that can take uh, can be considerable to make sure that that happens. Uh, but just make sure that you, you speak to people, that the communications there, that you, you're getting the right um, equipment for the job that you, you you're trying to think outside the box and bring as many things in that can make the lives of clinicians easier and the interaction with our patients as, as smooth and straightforward as possible and to do that joined up work and give you know make sure that that your, your clinicians have not only the clinical skills but the soft skills that I mentioned earlier so that they can be reassuring and that they can, they can do the inter interpretation of the results that, that they get from the annual physical health checks and give that feedback straight away to, to the patients in front of them so that they get the reassurance that, that they alluded to. Yeah can I just add to that so I suppose for me with all start co-produce with service users and yeah. carers right at the outset and I suppose that that's it you know you get the expertise and you get the know-how but you know it's got to be have that different perspective frontline clinicians and that so that should be the core 
uh, and right at the outset, I would say, not somewhere along the journey. And the other thing I would say is have a CQI model. So this is going to be an iterative process. You're not going to get it right the first time. You will have the feedback. So keep reviewing it. Keep going back to it. You know, that, that's going to be important. And in terms of project management, I would say set milestones and then keep reviewing it, you know, and have that communication, you know, the to and fro, the bottom up, top down, you know, what's going well, what's not going well, you know, the small nuances, which perhaps could make it difficult for someone, for example, to, to you know, the cuff is too big or whatever I'm just saying, or the pipet was too small to take blood, uh, small nuances, which would go a long way. So I, I, I would stress on that as well. And the other thing I would say from, from our perspective, don't assume uh, the staff who are working in mental health and learning disability are comfortable with medical devices. So this is, this is it. So the training has to be robust. The training has to be, and some of them may, you know, they would have worked in other, you know, settings and they would have it. But a lot of us, even the med, you know, all of us are quite rusted here uh, because that's not our expertise. So I think the training has to be very robust in that context. And I suppose when that's been done, uh, when you've got it, do not underestimate the sustainability as well. So I suppose to keep it going, the operational part of it, you know, how it's embedded in practice, that's also going to be quite key um, uh, as you move further along. So there would be just a few of my uh, top tips uh, along with what Paul's already mentioned. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I wonder about the future then, given what you've said, it seems to be working pretty well. You've, you've already got uh, initial kind of feedback you've mentioned before from people, you know, clinicians and from patients saying it's working for them. So what does the future hold? And it seems like, I, I imagine it's something you will be rolling out and perhaps refining. Is, is what, what's, what, what, what are your plans then for, for both your, your projects? We're currently in, in the early stages of, of the actual deployment um, of the equipment. So I think we've still got a lot to, to learn. We've got a lot of feedback to collect both from uh, from service users and, and clinicians. Um, I think we also need to, to do some longer term uh, research into the, the outcomes going forward uh, for the, the group of people that, that we're working with. Uh, it would be great to to see hopefully three, four, five, ten years down the line that the health outcomes are better, that that there's a, a greater proportion of people getting the, the regular annual physical health checks, and that that is leading where necessary to to proper onward care, uh, but it's also reducing the development uh, of some of the, the the conditions that unfortunately they, they seem to be prone to. So from our perspective, I suppose you know, as I said, it's here to stay. But in terms of future. Uh, one of the things which we 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 uh, was a challenge for us was in terms of the governance system. So we did not have the same IT processes. We were not joined up and speaking with primary care. So that is a challenge. So I suppose the vision would be I would envisage, you know, as Paul was mentioning, you know, rather than coming and then the traditional when you're calling up and telling the GP, they can see it. It's been inputted and it's there for the primary care to see because ultimately it's all about, you know, healthcare that's one front door as I see it but you know we've been siloed somehow however that that's the world we live in so I suppose it's part of that as well that you know how how the parameters that have been picked up you know that goes you know the the governance is there and it's there for not just our system but it's there for primary care and the other wider thing for me is about getting digital technology. This is a start. You know, as I said, it's about self-management, using technology. 
uh, because what we know is there is a divide, there is a di digital divide for people with learning disability. And unfortunately, they fall on the other side of the divide. There are a lot of presumptions, stereotypes, some real barriers, why they cannot access technology. And I think empowering service users, be it this project or be it a something different, where they can self-manage, they have apps. I suppose it's the broader question that this technology is there for healthcare, even for this marginalized population. You know, what form it takes, that's different. You know, we'll have different, you know, time will tell us and research will tell us about what, what is there. But it's, it's just that putting them on the map as well and they're not excluded from it. Well, it all sounds really hopeful. It's, uh, it's good to hear two positive stories from different parts of, of England as well. I guess it's it makes good sense, conversations like this and people perhaps listening to this, wanting to contact you, perhaps to learn from their own parts of the UK, how they can roll out and learn from, from what you've already done. I suppose this is the benefit of, of a, a podcast like this, but also the fact that you're both involved in similar kinds of work that you can share and I'm sure you've got very very um, good reasons to do that and also good experience of you know perhaps do this I wouldn't do that as you've as you mentioned before this perform this kind of work that you're doing can only benefit you know when it comes to not just this area of work but other aspects of healthcare and digital involvement and digital perhaps uh, making use of digital techniques and technologies as it evolves in the future absolutely uh, and uh, as well as the, the, the project that I mentioned, Northeast and North Cumbria, there are the, the sister project in the rest of Northeast and Yorkshire and other projects up and down the country, uh, which which have been funded to do exactly the same as, as our project is doing. So I think we're in for some interesting sort of research, interesting feedback evaluation over the next sort of uh, year or two uh, to see how how all of these projects have fared. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of learning to be had um, over the, the coming sort of months and, and year or two. Um, and we, we've been supported brilliantly in the, in the, the North East North Cumbria by the AHSN. Um, and um, it, in other areas, it's been run slightly differently, uh, but it's um, it's all the, the same theme um, of, of trying to add another tool to the toolbox uh, of, of how we can um, improve the health outcomes for, for people on SMI registers and also with uh, learning uh, disability as well. Yeah, absolutely. Likewise, yes, we'd be very happy for anybody to get in touch if, you know, if all good things are meant to be shared, really. So if there's anything that pe people are interested in, you know, we'd be very happy to talk about it, you know, because at the end of the day, it's about making a difference, improving the outcomes and the experience. Um, and Nigel, can I just add, whilst I've spoken about learning disability within Hertfordshire Partnership Trust, which is North Essex, that was the project I was leading, or, you know, part, uh, uh, overseeing here within our services. But equally, this has also been rolled out for our older people and SMI population within other parts of the trust. And then, you know, you could utilize it for monitoring of medication, you know, so and especially at times of the pandemic, you know, where patients were being seen remotely. So you see the advantage of technology, you know, we've all had witnessed that. But I suppose more so, you know, we, it was firsthand, isn't it? So I suppose, yeah, it's here to stay uh, in more different evolved versions in times to come. It has been uh, sort of evolving scene. Um, and so, for instance, the project I'm involved in is specifically for people on the SMI registers, but some of the, the, the teams that I've been working with have come back and they said, well, no, we've got this equipment now. Can we use it for, for the LD health checks? Uh, and well, yeah, you know, if it's 
not being used for, for uh, people on SMI registers, get it out there and use it as much as possible for, for people uh, with learning disabilities. Um, and another thing that seems to be happening is, whereas the, there was one or two teams who were put together specifically for, for doing physical health monitoring, I'd like to think that because of the work that we're doing, other areas, other localities are now looking at setting up their, their physical health hubs, physical health teams. So I'm encouraged by the fact that it, it's been shining a light and, and putting a bit of focus on this and hopefully the development of those teams will help the, the sort of the, the sharing and spread of, of the equipment, of the, the technology, of just better physical health checks and more widely used uh, for, for this population. And I would say it transcends not just health boundaries within the health, but within other teams as well, social care. So within, within social care as well, so home, some of the homes are kind of getting, they've got the staff trained up, so they've got this there. So, you know, anytime they feel there is someone's not looking to, you know, they, they've got the tools to the hand, as you said, Paul, that the tool, it's another tool in the toolbox, rather than waiting for a GP to, you know, you've got that information ready. You can say this is the blood pressure, this is the glucose, you know, this is the level, this is what it is. So really hands-on, don't want, don't have to wait for any even healthcare professional to be there. So I suppose that's, and, and it's already been rolled out in some of the homes here within our neck of the woods, yeah. There's a very good phrase that's come to my mind, which is steal with pride, because if it works, well, why not? <laughs> well, listen, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. Um, it's great to, to hear how it's working in different parts of the country. I'm sure many people listening to this may want to take up your kind offer to get in touch and learn more about how it's worked for you both. Thank you very much, Paul McCourt, the Regional Digital Mental Health Lead for NHS England, North East and Yorkshire Region, and also Dr Inda Sawney, the Consultant Psychiatrist and Clinical Director of the Hertfordshire Partnership University. University NHS Foundation Trust. You can read more information about this topic and the others contained in this series of podcasts. Just go to the Innovation Collaborative Workspace on Future NHS. This is Nigel Thompson. Thanks for listening.